of Proto Rangers. It's Friday, September 15th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, master student in civil engineering and professional gift creator, and with me today are Gordon Derek, contributing editor at Dutch News and phoneless person, and Molly Quell, contributing editor at Dutch News and Deadline Dodger. So how many deadlines have you dodged this week? A lot, Robin. Our editor-in-chief is kind of irritated with me, I think, because I'm really we too. late. Yeah. <laughs> what happened to your phone, Gordon? It drowned. What happened was, it was last week, uh, it was raining, you might recall, very, very hard. And uh, I had it in my pocket when I was cycling back to The Hague, and uh, my phone perished in, in a kind of storm-force conditions. It wasn't quite a hurricane. We, we, <laughs> we can't have hurricanes in the Netherlands, because then we'd have to give them Dutch names. No one, that would no, be awful. Yeah, no, no one raised money for the victims of Hurricane Tjerk, would they? <laughs> Or Hurricane Taco. <laughs> hurricane Freak. Paul, you went viral this week? Uh, no, yeah, well, sort uh, of. I indirectly went viral. I made a gif of Freek Funk getting licked by a panda, and then Freek Funk stole my gif and my joke, and he went viral. Yeah. yeah. But I got some free tickets for the uh, Panda Zoo. Excellent. So we've got free tickets to give away to our listeners now, right? Uh, no, I already gave them away <laughs> to you two. <laughs> You're going to you two? Does Bolon has not seen the pandas yet? <laughs> <laughs> I think Bono has some pandas in his house. So surely he can come visit the pandas when he's doing his tax return. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Moni, did you all go to uh, Open Monuments Day uh, this week? I did. Oh, I what? learned a lot about Delft history. And yeah, <laughs> what did you visit in Delft? I went to the synagogue. My boyfriend had never been to the Stadthaus, so we went to that. Um, and we saw a, an oh, artist. I was, I'm always voting there. But I heard that uh, Open Monument Dog was not as as popular this year as it has been in previous years. So they got less than a million visitors. And they, right. they said it was due to the inclement weather. Oh, but I think a million visitors is still... It seems yeah. like quite, quite a lot, yeah. 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 So. This week we'll have another episode in the Coalition Soap Opera. We'll update you on the situation on St. Martin after Hurricane Irma. We'll tell you why a woman lost 140 euro and a man 5 million. After the break we'll give you a Prinsjesdag, or budget day, cash course. Crash course. Crash course. Yes. The woman only lost 140 euros and the man 5 million euros because women are infinitely smarter than men are. Of course, our top item this week must be the weather. On Wednesday, the first autumn storm battered the country with winds of up to storm force 10, which led the Royal Meteorological Institute to issue a code orange weather warning for the coastal provinces. Trees are still in full leaf and that makes them more vulnerable for storm winds, resulting in several accidents with blown over trees. In The Hague, for example, a tree hit a tramline, causing disruption to public transportation services. In Amstelveen, a man was seriously injured when a tree fell onto his car and in Amsterdam, another driver too was hit by a tree. Flights to and from Schiphol were also disrupted, and KLM cancelled some 60 flights due to the weather. The Association of Insurance Companies, however, said in a statement the damage caused by the storm was lower than expected. It wasn't bad news for everybody, right? Some people got something good out of it. Some people enjoyed the storm. The code orange weather warning brought excitement among surfers in the Netherlands. Rather spontaneously, the Red Bull Mega Loop Challenge was organized. This kitesurfing competition in Zandvoort is dubbed the Elfstedentocht of kitesurfing, and the last time it was held, 
held was in 2015. 16 kite surfers participated and enjoyed the unusually high waves caused by the western storm. Several hundreds of people watched from the beach and some even called in sick at work so they wouldn't miss the event. So it really is like the old state of talk then. People ringing in sick to, people to watch call it. In sick. Yeah. Although the difference is that it actually, it actually goes ahead and the old state of talk. Yeah, they, they <laughs> decided on the day of the storm that they were going to do this event. Can I just call things the Elfstedentalk talk of stuff? Yep. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. but there are a lot of Elfstedentalks. You so can swim the Elfstedentalks, yeah. you can walk the Elfstedentalks, you, you can bike it. Bike it. Yeah. You can, uh, Is this like the Elfstedentalk talk of podcasts? Well, while storm force winds were wreaking havoc up and down the coast, the coalition talks remained stuck in the doldrums, with most commentators now expecting the process to break the record for the longest ever cabinet formation. So that would be the Elfstede talk of cabinet formation. <laughs> exactly. At least it's not the Belgian government of cabinet formation. Well, not yet, but we're getting there. Yeah. Uh, the record currently stands at 208 days. Do you know which one that was, Paul? Uh, yeah. Uh, I think it was L- Lubbers... Two or three? No, it's an L, I think. An L. 77. Oh. I looked it up before we came on air. So, um, Luckily, you are. It's the only fooled. reason I know. Yeah. Yeah. But that record will be surpassed if the four parties, which just to remind you are the Fefe Day, the Christian Democrats, D66, and Christian Uni, are still talking on October the 9th. This week, there's been speculation that the new government will restore student grants, which were abolished two years ago, and it's been confirmed that the parties have settled one of the issues that nearly brought down the last government, which is how to accommodate failed asylum seekers who've exhausted the appeals process and are expected to help with their own repatriation. Bed, butt, and brood. Indeed, as it's known. Who um, here is tired of saying Fevi Day, Sedea, If I never have to say that phrase ever again, I will be very happy. Yeah. So is uh, anyone else getting tired of the process? There have been a few signs of restlessness. The chair of the upper house, uh, Anki Brunkers Knoll, she said she was worried that the coalition agreement would be too detailed because that would reflect a lack of trust between the parties. What is curious is that the new system was set up, if you recall, just before the last government was formed, and the idea was that the or the king were taken out of the process and parliament was given scrutiny and the idea is that made it more modern and transparent but actually parliament hardly has any role at all in the process and they only really get to see what's been happening either when the talks break down or when they're finished yeah so, so it's only a symbolic role yeah pretty much, much like what the king had uh, it's a sort of post-scrutiny role yes except that the queen used to have regular updates and she would actually intervene in the course of the talks whereas parliament doesn't get to do that because they don't know what's going on yeah. it's all happened behind closed doors so bring back the queen well I mean she's what retired now isn't she but, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah bring back the king just who one hasn't of the actually princesses done it just put them in charge. <laughs> Princess Amalia, yeah. Yeah. you're in charge now. But I heard a rumor that Mark Rutte is a little annoyed with uh, Jean-Claude Juncker, the president of the European Commission. Yes, Juncker was giving his State of the European Union address, which uh, sounds very grand, but actually it's done in the European Parliament with virtually no ceremony whatsoever. There's about three MEPs. Yeah, one of them being, one of them being Nigel Farage. Nigel Farage is really just there to troll him on Twitter. Juncker set out his vision for the future of Europe. He said he wants to bind the member states close together, which is no doubt partly a response to Brexit and he also wants to expand the Eurozone so have more countries use the Euro currency and create legal inward migration routes. But Rutter gave a very lukewarm response to this. He said, in response, I'm not really much of a romantic and added that he always thought that people who had visions should go and see a doctor. <laughs> Which isn't even his own quote. No, it's a quote from uh, the former German Chancellor Helmut Schmidt. Uh, this really explains why Rutter is single, I think. <laughs> Rutter's particularly sceptical about the idea of opening the borders anymore because that was a sensitive issue in the election campaign. Lots of parties were against that, particularly Kirk Wilders. And it's a sensitive issue at the moment as well because we've just discovered that the Italian mafia seemed to have infiltrated the Dutch flower market and the police have set up a special unit uh, to deal with that. I, I'm sorry, 
What has happened? The mafia have infiltrated the uh, flower auction at Alsmir, apparently. So they're trafficking in illegal tulip bulbs? Like, what is <laughs> what is an infiltration of the Italian mafia <laughs> of a flower market actually mean? Well, all we know is the police have set up a special unit, so they seem to be concerned about it. There have been a couple of uh, court cases and arrests, I think, as well. The man in Tilburg was arrested for mafia activity. I think probably that the flower auction is being used to kind of launder money that's been acquired uh, by nefarious means elsewhere. And well, transport some... Illegal yeah, it's just near a close to, yeah, it's, and, and also I think, yeah, they, they, they don't just uh, send the flowers, okay. they send uh, a few spices <laughs> with them. Uh, and speaking of open doors, what's the latest on the Thierry Boudet's house? Thierry Boudet, the leader of the Forum for Democratie, who got two seats in Parliament at the election, his front door was defaced last week by an anarchist feminist group who painted an anarchist symbol in pink paint on the front door. And then a few days later, Boudet said he'd been attacked again and someone had sprayed a putrid substance underneath the door. But on close investigation, it turned out there wasn't a second attack, what actually happened was that the chemicals that we used to clean the paint had condensed and uh, slipped under the door and created a bit of a stink. But there was no second attack. There was no second attack. There was only one attack and then some slightly too strong cleaning chemicals used to clean his front door. And he'd also bought his elderly neighbour a bunch of flowers to apologise for the inconvenience. But a security camera has now been put up outside the door of Vaudet's rather nice canal-side house in Amsterdam. And uh, yeah, so perhaps that will deter future attacks or future cleaning sessions. If I'm... <laughs> not that I'm saying I would engage in any sort of defacement of Terry Baudet's property. But if I was going to paint a feminist symbol on something, I would do it on his piano. 10% of jobs in The Hague are created by international organizations, according to a report released this week by The Hague City Council. That's about 38,500 jobs. The report also found that since 2004, employment at these groups has increased 32%, while employment overall has only increased 11%. They found some uh, 18,000 jobs are indirectly created by these organizations, most of which are unskilled. So what exactly is the uh, precise definition of an international organization? So they were referring to things like embassies, diplomatic missions, international schools, international courts and tribunals, institutes, NGOs. So this doesn't include uh, multinational companies that exist within the city. Okay. And the indirectly created jobs are presumably things like cleaners and uh, security guards and that kind of thing. Yeah, cafes yeah. that cater to these sorts mm. of places and that sort of thing. So mm. uh, so good news for the Hague. Good news for the Hague, yeah. I hope these cleaners don't use too strong chemicals, though. That's only in Amsterdam. Oh. Oh. A week after Hurricane Irma hit the island of St. Martin, the devastation becomes increasingly clear. The Red Cross estimates that 90% of the buildings on the islands are damaged and one-third of them are completely destroyed. Large parts are inaccessible with no running water or telephone connections. King Willem-Alexander and Interior Minister Ronald Plastek visited the island on Tuesday. The king said he had never seen anything like this and spoke of his admiration for the people of St. Martin. He assured them that the Netherlands is standing behind them. It's yet unclear if St. Martin is eligible for EU funding to help with the restoration of the enormous disaster. The French part of the island is an overseas territory of France and thus automatically part of the EU. The Dutch part, however, is a separate country within the Kingdom of the Netherlands and therefore not an EU member. Today, on Friday, the national charity event for St. Martin has started. All broadcasters on television and radio, both public and commercial, are raising money with special programming for St. Martin and all also St. Eustatius and Saba. Already 5.25 million euros has been raised so far at the kickoff of the charity day. Prime Minister Mark Rutte urged the Dutch people to donate as much as they can spare. If you want to donate, visit www.rodekruis.nl. We'll put that link in the line notes as well. Yeah. I donated this morning. Did well you? Done. I did. Oh, that's mm. nice. Very good. Yeah, um, uh, a lot of celebrities are uh, having an auction so you can bid on 
an activity or an item of them. Uh, for example, you can um, bid on a stadium. I believe it was FC Twente. The, the winner will be able to uh, use the stadium for a training of their team. Okay, so that's, that's nice. nice. Yeah. We should have auctioned off a guest spot on the podcast. Oh, yeah. We could have auctioned off the panda tickets if you hadn't given them away. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I, I will see if I can get them back. Yeah. If you win something else on Twitter, Paul, you're contractually <laughs> obligated to give it away to our readers. CBS had a report out this week about no one on this podcast. The Dutch Statistics Agency released an assessment of the number of millionaires in the Netherlands. The country boasts a bit more than 100,000 millionaires. They make up 1.1% of the population, but control 44% of the country's wealth. Nearly 80% of the millionaires are entrepreneurs of some sort, with farmers making up 20% of the lot. The millionaires are most likely to live in Laren, uh, Bloemendal, and Blaricum. So, uh, Gordon, are you considering quitting journalism and taking up farming? Have you seen the state of my back garden, which is about uh, 20 square metres and uh, just like a jungle, and you'd probably know the answer to that question. I, uh, I think I'm going to take up farming. Have you seen my, uh, my, my crop of chili peppers that I have like a thousand of that I will never, ever eat? Hanging in my <laughs> no, kitchen. we haven't <laughs> seen that. They're I've hanging them, in the so. kitchen. How have you missed <laughs> them? They're taking up like all the window space in the kitchen right now, drying. <laughs> if any Dutch news listeners want some free chilies, they can pick them up from <laughs> my house. <laughs> One man who won't be joining the ranks of millionaires is Errol van den Hoek, who this week lost a four-year court battle over his twitching game show finger. During an episode of Millioniacht, which is a Dutch game show that later became Deal or No Deal, Van Hoek was made an offer of €125,000. He indicated he wanted to play on, but he also pressed the red button, which meant he'd accepted the deal. Presenter Linda de Mol wanted to carry on as if nothing had happened, but the producer stepped in, the game finished, Van den Hoek was forced to walk away with his paltry €125,000, and then went to court when it emerged that one of the suitcases left in the game contained the top prize of €5 million. Euros. But sadly for Van den Hoek, he became a double loser when a judge ruled that the rules were clear and closed the case. Uh, he, can, he can still go to uh, the Supreme Court, though. Yeah, well, let's hope he does. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and we can uh, enjoy his losses again. Indeed, yeah. yeah. Presumably be asked, um, he'll be sent an email saying, do you want to appeal this uh, decision? And he can either click yes or no. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully he'll want to click no, but click yes. A 140 euro fine plus a 7 euro administration fee. That's what Gerte Piening received for peeing outside of an Amsterdam nightclub. After an evening of partying, and one can assume drinking, she was heading home with friends and could not hold it anymore, nor could she return to the club. She found a quiet spot to do her business, only police officers were waiting and fined her. Now Piening is fighting the fee on the grounds that there are too few places for women to relieve themselves in Amsterdam. According to her, there are only two public toilets for women while there's some 45 locations for men. So, Paul, do you think this is a case of discrimination or a waste of time? <laughs> well, I think uh, she has a point, actually. Yeah. yeah, there are literally no places for women to... Uh, to, to do their business. To do their yeah. business, yeah. 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 So I think she has a point. Eh? Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I would agree with that. I've, I've definitely struggled with this at, at times. I can imagine, yeah. I suppose it's uh, because men can pee standing up, it's easier to provide... T- temporary facilities in the street for them than for women unless you practice a shiwi that's yeah that's what you should have done <laughs> maybe that's what you should have done yeah. you know the Dutch word for a shiwi no I don't really know <laughs> plus tight <laughs> is, is that on the Minister for Internal Affairs we'll be giving you but mostly Molly a Prinsjesdag crash course after these words from our sponsors you mean budget day right Paul yeah I mean budget day do you drive or ride a bike Are you in the train or on the train? If you're producing text in English, but aren't sure of just the right wording, M-squared can help you. 
M Squared is a digital publications company that can help you with all of your writing, editing and translation needs. They have a combined 20 years experience crafting the perfect document from editing books to writing website copy. If you need help with your website text, brochure, thesis, press release and more, contact them at info at msqrd.com. If you are interested in reaching an international audience with your product or service, you can email to podcast at dutchnews.nl for our competitive advertising rates. Since Molly can't stop complaining about how she hadn't learned anything from the Inburgings cursus, we decided to give her a crash course on the biggest day of the year, Prinsjesdag, which is coming up next Tuesday. So Molly, what do you know about Prinsjesdag? That it's called Budget Day. <laughs> That's what I know. So it's it's held on some Tuesday in September, one, one of them, right? The third the, Tuesday. Yeah. The third Tuesday in September. Hmm. And the monarch gives a presentation to the the city, the people, the the the, the, the Volking, the whatever. <laughs> I don't know. To some, to some folks. <laughs> yeah, he, he's standing on top of a crate right. on the square. And yeah, the, uh... maybe Nigel Farage turns up. <laughs> and he presents won't... the sort of uh, view for the the, the, you know the plans for the upcoming year and presents the like sort of budget to to parliament. Kind yeah, of thing. I think you're close. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and before that, the finance minister does a photo call right with his budget suitcase, yeah, which yeah. has got. I like what I like about the suitcase is it actually got written on the front third Tuesday in September, just yeah. in case he forgets when he's supposed <laughs> to deliver it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and the entire city of the Hague shuts down yeah. because it's yeah. because chaos you can't, and mass hysteria. You can't go to work on yes. Tuesday. Yeah. I I can't. I actually put in on nine two nine two to go from my house to mm. where the office is, and it was like there's there's no, no. there's just no options no, everything's shut well uh, Prinsjesdag it's the most important day in the Dutch constitutional monarchy and therefore a day full of ceremony military display and pomp it's held every year on the third Tuesday of September as we already said and uh, it's the day the king reveals the government's plan for the coming year and the cabinet sends its budget to parliament and why is it called Prinsjesdag you say that as well yeah because literally it translates day of the princess and there is no prince involved mm. uh, well traditionally it was the day the birthday of the Prince of Orange was celebrated. This was in the 17th and the 18th century. Uh, but in the um, 19th century, when the Netherlands became a um, constitutional monarchy, it was given its present-day meaning. On Prinsjesdag, the king goes to a joint session of both houses of the States General, in Dutch, een verenigde vergadering der Staten Generaal, and he reads out the uh, the government's plans. Yeah. I'm so glad I didn't have to pronounce that. <laughs> you can still try if you no, want. No, no, no one wants that. Yeah, <laughs> and it is basically the official state opening of the parliamentary year. As yeah, well, it's uh, it? it's the yeah. first day of the uh, mm. of the parliamentary yeah. year. So, Paul, sort of what what actually happens on that day? I know that the monarch goes to the parliament building in a in a golden coach except this year the golden coach is under reconstruction so they're getting there some other way do you know what kind of coach they're using now it's a glass coach a glass coach yeah, yeah. Which sounds less grand than the golden coach, but the golden coach is actually a wooden coach with a gilded. Uh, uh, it's it's a gilded wooden coach. Um, the glass coach has lots of gold as well, doesn't it? Yeah, as well as glass panels. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just like Greenland is, has a lot of ice, and Iceland mm. has a lot of indeed green. greenery. So what actually happens? The head of state, the king, reads out uh, the plans while sitting on a throne, and therefore it's called a throne which literally means uh, speech from the throne. His wife sits beside him on a slightly smaller throne, and this all happens in the Hague, as we said, in the heart of the Dutch. Uh, politics. Can I ask a throne related question? Sure. Now we have a king but previously the monarch was a queen. Yeah. So does that mean the queen sits on the larger throne and the the king, the the husband of the queen sits on the slightly smaller throne? Indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, constitutionally the queen was the king but because she was a female we called her queen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Constitutionally she was the queen and her husband was called a prince. Right. Mm-hmm. Maxima is called queen but 
it's only a title. It's it's uh, it's not a official yeah. role. She's a queen consort. She's a queen consort. Yeah, yeah that yeah. would be a better name. Yeah. Well, this all um, uh, happens in uh, the Binnenhof complex, the heart of the Dutch politics. This uh, complex includes the Tweede Kamer, the Eerste Kamer, the Prime Minister's office, but also uh, the Riddersaal, the Knights Hall. It's the largest building in the complex with the two towers and the pointy uh, pointy roof. That's the location of the throne reader. It's a very large Gothic hall, and some even claim that upon completion in the 13th century, it was the largest just span in the world but that's just my civil engineering heart that's speaking <laughs> but really the king ought to go go, go to the Riddersal on his bike shouldn't he yeah I think so too yeah the coach is drawn by eight horses these are either Frisian or Gelderlander horses so I know that usually he goes in the golden carriage and this year is in the glass carriage as we mentioned uh, what's the deal with the golden carriage the golden carriage is in repair right now it's mm. uh, it was built in uh, 1898 it was given to her for her 18th birthday by the people of Amsterdam uh, but it's well, over a hundred years old, and it has never been in a um, in in a repair or whatever. So it it was falling apart. So they had yeah. to uh, do something now, otherwise the coach would fall apart on his on the king's way to the uh, Riddersaal. That would would have been awkward. It would have been a good story. Yeah, yeah. it would have been a, yeah. a great television. Isn't there some controversy about the Kouderkoots as well, the, the golden carriage? Some of the paintings on the side of the uh, uh, golden carriage uh, include some um, yeah. Some people claim racist uh, images of um, uh, a person that represents, for example. Indonesia and Suriname that's handing their uh, natural resources to a white guy and mm. uh, some people claim that's racist and then they are um, half naked and dressed in togas so yeah, so it's, yeah, uh, yeah. They look primitive as yeah. so probably use, appropriate uh, for 1848 and maybe not so appropriate in, in today's yeah, so modern life it's an ongoing discussion really about whether this iconography is still appropriate so and does the king go solo to the uh, to the Ritazal does he drive his own carriage oh no of course not he's accompanied by hundreds of soldiers cavalry and military bands and they're all dressed up in their ceremonial clothes. Uh, the route which runs from his uh, office palace, North Einde Palace to the Binnenhof, is aligned with marines and the navy ordered on height. So they start with the smallest marines and uh, at the Binnenhof they, uh, the largest, uh, the tallest uh, marines are standing. The route had to be diverted for several years uh, because of the construction of the Mauritshuis Museum, but it's reopened now so you can uh, use the traditional route. So Paul, the uh, the king arrives in his glass carriage along with the queen this time and, uh, and the, then, then what does he do? Well, he delivers a speech to the people that are packed inside. To start with, 150 MPs from the Tweede Kamer and 75 of the Eerste Kamer. But there are also guests of the government, guests of uh, the representatives, authorities, and a handful of normal people. Just some regular citizens are invited to take part. And uh, what about the outfits? We should, we should mention those as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, all, all guests are, of course, wearing their finest clothes. The men are wearing some boring suits. But the ladies' uh, uh, outfits is an entirely different story. There is a silent competition among the ladies to wear the most outrageous outfits, and especially the hats are important. You'll see a lot of photos of hats, uh, one bigger than the other, more colorful, more ridiculous in the media um, and that's why uh, it, this is known as the Hoetjesparade or the Parade of the Hat. And there's one particular person who stands out year, year after year and manages to kind of hold the headlines, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. that's uh, Marianne Timmer. She's the leader of the Animals Rights Party. Um, she always manages to wear something that makes some sort of political statement, uh, for example to show her opposition against TTIP. She had a hat one year that was um, uh, a statement against um, uh, underrepresentation of women in politics, yeah. didn't she? So yeah. it said man, man, man around 
the on her top hat. hat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it was a top hat. Yeah, it was a man. It was a men's hat. Gem, yeah, Butcher Magazine Education Minister. She's um, uh, has always has uh, some uh, headline grabbing outfits as well. Yeah, yeah. she. Uh, I think it was two years ago. She was wearing some three D printed shoes, mm. and uh, she always wears outfits made by students of uh, fashion academies because she's uh, education minister. Indeed. So Molly, do you know with what sentence the King's Speech always starts? Uh, no, I have absolutely no idea. Gordon? Uh, well, uh, it's written down in front of me here, so <laughs> so I do now. Yes, but he always opens it with a Leiden von der Staaten General. Yes, he addresses the uh, MPs. Does he write his own speech? No, he doesn't. It's written by the cabinet, and therefore it's a result of months of negotiations, and uh, this probably sounds familiar. Uh, the result is that the speech is very dry, very technical, and not very inspiring. The speech takes, on average, about 15 to 20 minutes, so it happens quite often that some of the guests that are, have been waiting for hours uh, for the king sometimes fall asleep, resulting in some hilarious TV mm. images, especially mm. when this uh, the person that's falling asleep is, uh, for example, Diederik Samson, uh, one of the... Ca- <laughs> The, the the architects of, of a cabinet. Yeah, but to be fair, he he'd read the speech already. I yeah, think, so he knew probably. Was in it. Yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. Spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah, and we should say this year. I suppose that the, this year's speech is going to be written by the caretaker government that's about to um, end its term of office. So probably a lot of the stuff in it uh, will never actually uh, be enacted in law. Yeah, and then when uh, the king is uh, finished with his speech, yeah, everyone stands up, and the um, uh, the chairwoman of the uh, first uh, eerste kamer she says, "Long live the king!" Everyone stands up and yells, "Hurra! Hurra!" So it's like a birthday party. Yeah. Really. They all stand around in a circle. <laughs> yeah, they're, ha- they're handing yeah. uh, some, cake. <laughs> some cake and yeah. some cheese. And, and they some, congratulate each other. And they congratulate each other. Yeah. It, it looks kind of ridiculous when they do that. Yeah, I, I, you think? I, yeah. This is not, dig- not dignified for you. Uh, well, it's it's dignified. I don't know, but it, it it always sounds a bit. It looks a bit awkward. I think. Yeah, and usually as well, there's, there's an ongoing um, yeah, competition among the uh, newspapers to try and get the uh, details of the budget package before budget day, right? Yeah. And there's an increasing uh, there's a counter competition by the parliamentary officials to try and stop uh, MPs leaking to the media, and uh, it always manages to get into the media nonetheless. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, another part of the uh, Princess Dog is the uh, handing over from the f- uh, of the budget for the next year from uh, by the finance minister to parliament mm-hmm. um, uh, he he's uh, carrying them in his derde uh, dinsdag van september suitcase mm-hmm. um that's not the entire budget, though. Uh, if he would be carrying the entire budget, it's too heavy to carry. His arm would fall off. Yeah, yeah he mm. he would probably die, I think. <laughs> but uh, the miljoenennota, as it's called, it's uh, always leaked a few weeks uh, before Prinsjesdag, which basically means that the king is doing his speech for nothing because mm-hmm. already everyone knows what's in there. Yeah. It's kind of a cat and mouse game, isn't it? Because every year they step up the security a bit more. And I think last year the million note was handed out on USB sticks. It had an individual code to each MP so that any leaks could be traced. And yet it still leaked into the media and no one ever actually traced which MP did it. So there's an enormous security operation, which is always utterly worthless because the journalists always get hold of yeah. um, the budget day. But the details. day after <laughs> Prince's Dog, there is a big debate about the budget, but uh, MPs, they have to get the uh, uh, the budget f- weeks before that uh, debate, because mm. otherwise they, they have literally have no time to prepare for that. Yeah, yeah, but this year there won't be any debate, because the Toyota uh, Commerce has decided that there's no, no point in debating the budget, since it's being produced by the caretaker government, and we're going to have a new 
government soon, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. So it, it, there, there hasn't been a, a date decided for the uh, for the APB, as it's called, the Algemene Politieke Beschouwingen. Um, do you know which journalist usually wins this competition? I believe it's the I, I believe it's RTL's uh, correspondent Fritz Vester usually wins. Yeah, 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 he always wins. Fritz yeah. Vester. This year it hasn't been leaked, I think. It hasn't yet. No, no, but it's only Friday. It's uh, it's only Friday. Yeah, yeah and there's uh, we have a couple of more days. Um, so after the speech of the king, he travels back to uh, North Einde Palace. He uh, stands uh, on the balcony, mm. waves to his people and uh, goes back uh, inside. And has a cup of coffee. And has a cup of yeah. coffee, yeah. yeah. So if our listeners want some more information about perhaps attending some of the uh, ceremonies yeah. and are watching on Budget Day, where can they uh, find that information? Yeah, well, so there, there is a, we'll add a link in the liner notes. Uh, there's, um, there's a page on the Royal Household's website that gives details of the route that the coach takes. So if you want to go out into the streets, it's, I think it's going to rain probably, but no. you can go out <laughs> to the streets yeah. and, in, and get wet and uh, uh, ogle the king and queen in the uh, glass coach, then uh, we'll put a link on the website. That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. My thanks to Molly Quell and Gordon Derrick. I'm Paul Peters, and we'll be back next week with a hand. I would do it on his piano.